Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature Larissa de Jesus Negron, a New York City-based multidisciplinary artist who was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Her commitment to art making began as early as nine years old. Throughout her first 19 years, she lived in several municipalities in Puerto Rico and eventually attended the School of Plastic Arts in Old San Juan, where she began majoring in drawing and painting. After two years, she transferred to Hunter College in New York City, where she got her BFA degree with high honors. Larissa has participated in several impressive solo and group exhibitions, both nationally and internationally. Her work has been featured in several publications, which include The New Yorker, Cultured Magazine, and Artnet. Larissa is an artist who yearns for introspection and finds self-evaluation through her intimate and often otherworldly spaces and portraits. Existential themes such as gender roles, the vitality of nature, using humor as a coping mechanism, and the power of storytelling as a tool for healing are all present in her work. Welcome and enjoy this episode featuring multidisciplinary artist Larissa de Jesus Negro. Larissa, welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm delighted to have you. Thank you so much for having me. So share with us, when did you discover your artistic passion? So it all started because of my aunt uh, when I was nine years old. Uh, she started just doodling for me and, and showing me how to, how to make just little drawings. She was never trained or anything, but she just had a natural ability. So it all started with her and um, it just grew from there. I started drawing as a kid all the time. I, I really loved spending time by myself as a child, especially playing with dolls. That was like, that was my world. And um, I was actually spending way too much time by myself. And my mom decided to try some extracurricular activities for me. And um, I took dance, I took singing. But when I, when I got started on art, it was like, that was everything for me. Like I, I excelled fairly quickly because of how much time I spent making art as a kid. Yeah, that's how everything started for me. Was there a particular artist or work of art that influenced you early on? For sure. So that, you know, those influences, my first influences were with my aunt and my mom that they pushed me to to do that. But with my dad, because my parents are divorced. So I had two different experiences uh, with my dad. He had a bunch of art posters around the house. He had Kandinsky posters, Picasso, Dali, and they were large too. So I could see a lot of the detail. And um, a lot of 
you know, surrealistic work is, you know, dark and sort of absurd and intense. Um, and I was looking at that when I was nine, 10, 11, you know, like a child. So it definitely had a visual effect on me and, and it made me just imagine what, you know, what art could possibly be, how we can, how I could possibly make art in the future. Um, I always kind of knew that art was my thing. Nobody in my family is an artist, so I kind of embraced that really quickly in my life. And uh, I'm still, you know, pursuing that and finding new references and artists. I mean, I love looking at art. So I, I'm, I'm influenced by a lot of artists, but I would say I'm more towards surrealism and neo-surrealism. How would you define your practice? I would say a way to describe my practice is ever-changing because I don't know exactly where my art is going to lead me, but I know that I'll be an artist for the rest of my life. I, I know that because I enjoy making art so much and it's a form of therapy for me. It helps me process my life, my emotions, my fears, my anxieties, you know, everything that I go through in life, it's reflected back to me through my work and ultimately it helps me heal. So yeah, it's, it's, it's like a, a psychologist's office in here in the studio. Have you ever thought about what career path you would have chosen if you didn't have the option to be an artist? For sure, for sure. I, I, I mean, it's kind of inevitable to think about those things, right? Because I've been so set in being an artist for so long that I sometimes think like, wow, I could have been, you know, even a psychologist. I would have loved to, you know, get into people's minds and, and help people out in that way and really develop the language necessary to, to be a doctor, like that, that would have been incredible. Well, that's why I do embrace a lot of psychology. And that's why I do read a lot upon psychology and everything, how to manage the mind, because this is a very like deep interest in me to understand my mind and the mind of others. <laughs> so through my work, I'm able to do that. So that's why I'm, I keep you know, going back to my practice and being an artist. But definitely being a, a psychologist is up there. What motivates you to start working on a piece? Many things, but most of the time is a very deep-rooted need to process something, to process an emotion. So, you know, making art is a form of expression. So when I feel like I need to take something off my chest, whether that be I feel overwhelmed, I feel worried about the future, I feel like I need to run, escape my reality, then I go to my work. And most of the time I paint the image that I want to see or that I'm currently trying to escape. So, yeah. But... Uh, yes, I do. Sometimes I do enjoy silence too, because I'm able to hear my thoughts better. And that's, that's sometimes what I need. If what I need is just, you know, a good time, then I will, you know, play some reggaeton, play some dembo, you know, like just pump up the party in here so that I can, you know, get in the groove. But I think it depends on the work, because if I'm making a work that's more ominous, that is more intense, maybe has some really, you know, I need to process some anxiety, some sadness, then probably sad, sad music or no music at all. And when do your titles enter the creative process? The title, most of the time it comes after or when I'm finishing the piece. Once I see the image the almost finished image or the finished image, I'm like, wow, this 
tells me this word. It's a word that pops into my mind, whether it's like being liberated or or being um, relaxed or being anxious or whatever the feeling is. I try to make the title related to that because I know that when people look at the piece and they want a little bit more information to understand the piece, they can read the title and be like, oh, this is what the artist was feeling. So it's really the titles, I, I like to use them as a way for the spectator to understand me better. And, and when you're actually creating the work, do you think about who the audience is? Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, most of the time I think of women, a lot of the time actually, because, well, I'm a woman. I experience life as a woman and I know that a lot of things need to be said and need to be discussed amongst women. And uh, I feel like I start conversations through my work that of course men can relate to and are drawn to as well because you know it's a human experience but I do have women in mind and I, I want to connect more with women so that's why maybe I have that that mentality. And how do you identify Hispanic, Latina, Latinx? Share that with us. So I would say I'm Latina. I refer to myself as Latina, but the terms itself, Latina, Latinx Hispana and you know all the labels that exist it really came into my reality it really came into you know the discussion when I came from Puerto Rico to the United States growing up in Puerto Rico the discussion wasn't around race it wasn't based around race because technically we're all the same race in Puerto Rico right the conversation was more about class and the differences the huge differences in class in Puerto Rico and the disadvantages that come with that. So coming to the United States, to New York specifically, that is so identity, you know, based and focused coming here at 19, I was faced with that discussion. I was, you know, I was confronted by it and immediately I felt, Oh, like I'm the other, I'm coming from outside to this place. And now I have to define myself to them and, um, you know, be part of this discussion because that's what's happening here. So all of a sudden I have this identity. I realize that I'm brown. I realize that I'm, I'm different. And I, I start embracing that more and more and more. How did that impact your art? Well, it impacted mostly, I think, the expectation that I put on myself. I feel like I was, because I was confronted with this new conversation around identity, I felt as if I had to be very obvious in my work about that conversation, meaning that I had to paint my bodies brown instead of white or black. I had to identify with one. It was a, a pressure that I put on myself. Nobody really came to me and was like, hey, you have to paint brown bodies. No, it was I felt that I had to do that at first, but that quickly went away when I realized that I am not one thing. Like my identity doesn't just revolve around my skin color. I am so many things. I'm this living, breathing, thinking person that is going through all these experiences. And I want to be able to translate that through my work without being so, you know, focused on this part of my identity. So it impacted me at first, but right now, I don't feel that it, it's a bother at all. I've, I've embraced the fact that I'm many things, and sometimes my, my background comes through my work, but sometimes it doesn't, and I'm, I'm totally fine and happy with that. 
So share with us, what does your workspace look and feel like? A lot of work. <laughs> right now I'm preparing for a couple of shows and uh, there's just a lot of large canvases that I'm working on all at once. I'm not one to work on one thing because I like to let things breathe, go to another piece, work on it, dedicate my time to it, and then come back to the other one. And I could be in that, I could be that way for months, you know, without finishing the piece. Or I could be very quickly with it. I could be very fast, you know, like if I have a really thorough plan on how to do a piece, I will go and I'll whip it out and that's it. But it really depends on if I'm really feeling the piece, if I if I know exactly what I want to happen in the piece. And that's not all the time. But yeah, there's there's a lot going on in this space right now. And what materials do you use? I like to use a lot of different materials just to keep things interesting and fresh. I use oil paint, acrylic, soft pastels, oil pastels. I use collage with paper canvases. I use powder pigment, you know, and all types of mediums to create textures and like modeling paste. I love modeling paste because it's so versatile. You can literally use it on any surface and it will stick and it will give you such amazing texture and you can use it with airbrush too. Like it's, I, I love that medium. Oh, and then the surfaces, I, I've worked on linen, I've worked on wood, on paper, on unstretched fabric, on foam, you name it. And I'm going to keep exploring with, the, with um, a lot of materials because I live for that. I live for that. So what are you excited about right now? Right now, well, the, you know, I have a couple of shows coming up, but one that I'm very excited about is my residency in Spain with L21 Gallery. That's coming up in October and it's going to be for a month long and I'm going with my mom and it's, it's just, it's just something so new. I've never traveled with my mom alone. I've never done a residency outside of the United States. So, well, actually I did one in Mexico, but I've never done one in Europe. So that's a whole new thing for me. And I'm, I'm just crazy excited and looking forward to what works I'm going to create over there. I don't really have a plan for the works yet. So I'm excited to see what happens. How do you keep learning? Well, one way I stay learning is by searching for new references. I sometimes get stuck with an artwork or you know something that I'm working on, and I'm like, I need something new. And maybe the references that I'm looking at are, are too familiar to me. So I go and I just Google search or I look at my library and my, my books and I just start searching like crazy for new references, something that will just give me new ideas. So yeah, that's one way, searching for references. And then another way is buying a material that I've never used before. Recently, I bought resin. And I'm, I'm trying to make these like spheres with resin so I can put on canvases. And I still don't know how technically I'm going to do that, but I want to try and see what happens. It could be a total failure or it could be like a new discovery. So that's definitely a way that I, that I, you know, stay interested in my practice. How do you feel your art professors contributed to your ability to, to create? They really influenced a couple of them. So I had a professor in Puerto Rico, his name is Jose Luis Vargas, and he was very influential to me because he pushed me to, first of all, work on a larger scale, 
which was huge to me because it was some, something that I was afraid to do because I, I thought that I was going to be bad at it or fail or not able to finish it. I don't know what exactly was holding me back, but he was a very influential person because he really believed in me. He pushed me to try new things, to not get stuck in one single style, one thing. So I really kept that and I still implement that in my practice and just to push myself, the fact that being comfortable is the enemy. That's really what I learned from him. And um, in Hunter College, when I came to New York, I learned a lot of technical things that didn't have to do with painting per se, like printmaking, photography, video, a lot of other influences that had nothing to do with painting then came into my mind and it blew my mind because then this is where I started to think about my artwork as a multidisciplinary practice. I was like, hey, I don't have to be just a painter. I could incorporate all types of things inside of my paintings and make them, you know, make them whatever I want them to be. So definitely learned a lot about materials in college that I still use today. When did you really start to develop your, your narrative? Well, my narrative... I would say maybe 2014. And that's when I started to make drawings of female bodies. And um, I started doing it just to process my own shame in my own body that I felt. And um, it was a way for me to just love the female body and be able to embrace it. So yeah, I think 2014, I started working with bodies and then it just evolved so quickly because of all the influences that I was getting in college, you know, film and performance and all of that. Those references were influencing in my painting as well. Like I, a lot of my work comes from cinema and film and I, I it, they're like movie stills for me. Like it's just a little moment in time that it, it's happening. And I can imagine a whole film, you know, being based all around a painting so yeah, it, it's it's been a long time coming and I have a lot of influences in my work that, you know, I, I, I'm still discovering myself I'm like, wow, I can't believe that came from this thing. Like, yeah, it's fun. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And this is our last question. What do you feel is the purpose of art? And as a visual artist, what is your role? Well, art can have many purposes, I feel. Depending on the intention of the artist, you can start all types of conversations. And if, if I could say, what is the purpose of art? It is to start conversations. It is to help us connect with others. Because unless you're making art and keeping your work underground, you know, for no one to see, then it's for yourself, right? It's not for others, but as soon as you bring it out to the world, you will start a conversation. And, and that's, that's really what one can hope for as an artist. My personal, I guess, purpose would be exactly that, you know, like to share my experience. And in that way, I'm able to be understood and connect with others through shared experiences. Well, thank you. So I'm glad we had a chance to connect and it's, uh, it's been my pleasure featuring you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Phyllis. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.